Good day to you, fine people of God. I'm Pastor Cole McClendon coming to you from Central Assembly of God, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I trust that you will find great value in listening to this message today. My hope is that you're encouraged and strengthened by the word given and that you will return to this site frequently to listen in. Be blessed. I learned this from the pastor that I served under in this church. He said this statement to me very early in my ministry. He said, our responsibility is to share the gospel or to share the good news of Jesus. It's his job to bring the increase, right? So, but if you're not sowing the seed, then God has nothing to work with. And I could tell you this, I, I'm, I serve as an area presbyter or an assistant presbyter for the Assemblies of God in this, this zone. And, and I sit with pastors and, and in my sitting with pastors, literally this week, I, I had to say to a couple of them, listen, you've been in a place for a while. There ought to be momentum. Stuff needs to be happening because the Holy Ghost doesn't sit still. And, and he knows better than any of us that we're in the last days. These are the last times and the church needs to be busy. And he came, he was sent, if you will, so that we could have or be empowered to do the work that he's called us to do. And so when we're out there doing the stuff like we were doing yesterday, there were healings that took place. I prayed over two people that were healed. Evangelist Nick prayed prayed over at least two people that I saw healed. And and there were others that we prayed over on top of salvations, on top of people's lives being touched. And I want you all to hear something that came to us electronically. Thank you to everyone involved in the Easter egg hunt today at 10 East Church Street in Bethlehem. It was probably the best and most organized one I've been to. Everyone who was involved was so incredibly friendly. The energy there today was exceptional. Well done, exclamation point. I'd also like to thank you mostly for the words of faith and prayer. My faith has been something I haven't had in a very long time, maybe ever. I've recently been searching for something missing within myself, and my heart has been strangely pulled towards God, and this feeling has never been so strong. You know how that happens? Prayer. Prayer went ahead of this. Prayer is what established this. Today was one of those days that have confirmed that my soul is leading me in a direction that is unfamiliar, but yet feels safe. Please share with everyone involved and let them know the impact they had on me today and the future of my children under God's roof. It's time to come home. Hallelujah. So that's just one testimony, and I wanted to say that and share that with you all because you need to understand, and there, there are many of you. I look out there, and I see many of your faces. You were so involved. You endured the, the rain and the cold. It was not pleasant for those first three hours was very unpleasant. 
And those of us like Mario and the gang of the guys, the security team, and security was more than security, way more than security. And we, we hauled all the stuff over there. And man, by the time 9 o'clock rolls around, I was starting to feel the shivering in my hand because it had soaked through even the gloves that I had on. So you all that endured that, God bless you. We had to switch and had to t- take turns. The registration team had to be on the steps of the of the uh, library, and we just we had to make some, a bunch of shifts in how things unfolded. And and uh, you know we're thinking because uh, y'all know how if y'all were here on Wednesday night how I was praying that God would give us 62 degrees and no wind, and that was not what it was at 9 a.m. It was all cloudy and misty, and uh, everything was wet. We couldn't set out our chairs because it was raining and this and that, and it just was not. I mean, I'll, I'll fish on those kinds of occasions, but... Man, we were fishing for souls yesterday, so I'm asking the Lord, God, you got to come through. I'm expecting this thing to transform. Pastor Mackay had a messed up foot yesterday. She still has it today. And, and it was just, there was a lot happening, but God showed up. God showed up. Lives were transformed, and you have a part in that. So thank you for your continued commitment. We've endeavored, we've established that we're going to do outreach once a month at least this year. Once a month. In some shape or form. And so I want to encourage you uh, to engage with Evangelist Nick and Emily. I I think the next one will probably be something that, well, you'll be out on the streets. Yeah, 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 you're doing an SOL. SOL. That sounds so bad. (laughs) Okay, S-O-S, Super Outreach Saturday. That's what that means. Y'all have no idea, and just get it out of your minds what S-O-L means. So just forget that. That did not happen. You missed it. Okay. Um, All right. Well, I want to get into the Word of God this morning because I know God has a word for you today. My message is titled, From Seed to Feed. A little girl asked her mother, where did I come from? And the mother pushed the panic button, took a big gulp. She'd just been reading that the magazine that if your child asks you that kind of question, then you need to shoot straight from the hip, tell them the story, explain what you need to explain. Give them a straight answer. Consequently, she took a deep breath and embarked on a long, elaborate explanation of human conception and human birth. The whole story about where the little girl came from. When the mother had finished, her little daughter looked up at her and said, Gee, Mom, that's funny. My new friend, Debbie, said she came from Baltimore. Poor mom, with her elaborate explanation, and she had really missed the point. In many circles that I travel in, if I were to ask a fellow pastor, 
Where does the process of death and resurrection come from? You know, we're in that season. It's Palm Sunday today, but we're in that season of of death and resurrection. Next Sunday is, I, I typically don't refer to it as Easter Sunday. It's Resurrection Sunday because that's what we celebrate, the resurrection of Christ. And so if I were to ask one of my minister friends, someone that is astute like Pastor Mackay, she might give me one of those long, elaborate explanations. But the question is, like that mom, is it really necessary? Actually, one only needs to say that it comes from God. It is a gift of his love. And the great news is that this gift of grace is always operating in our lives and is both necessary and welcome. You have all been through the process of death and resurrection. Those of you who are followers of Jesus Christ have died to yourself and your sin and life of sin and have been resurrected to new life, which is what we celebrate in the water baptism. I want to take you to a passage of Scripture where we see one of the resurrections that we read about in Scripture. It's in John chapter 11, verse 17. And no, I do not have your regular notes today, but I do have notes, or there should be notes in your bulletin if you would like to take notes, handwriting, etc. I just got limited notes for you this morning. Read this passage with me. This is John, uh, excuse me, 11, verse 17. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Pay attention to that word, all right? That last sentence, but Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die, never ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Jesus, or yes, Lord, she told him. I've always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Now, what you've just read here or heard here is that it's a kind of preview of the death resurrection process that is our ultimate destiny. We experience this, as I said a moment ago, first in salvation. 
and, and as a type of resurrection from the dead. Because again, you, you die to sin, you die to your flesh, you die to yourself, and you are birthed into new life. You become a new creature in Christ Jesus. So that's the first time that you recognize it. And should we leave this earth prior to the rapture, we will all be raised from the dead to meet the Lord in the air. So we're all going to participate in this one way or another, or another as believers. But let's, let's look at this this morning. Mary, or excuse me, Martha, her first words, if you had been here. If you had been here. And I, I want to look at real life this morning. I, I, there's, there's probably no biblical story that captures the struggle that we face when we don't know or understand what is going on around us. Not a better story in the Bible. I wonder if I'm talking to anyone today who, who has ever been in a situation that you didn't get what was going on with God. Any of you going to be real with me today? So I can be real with you today, right? Who am I preaching to that thought you knew how God would or should have done something, but that's not even close to what he did? Thank you for your honesty. So Jesus shows up at the scene of Lazarus' entombment four days late. That ought to make a few of you latecomers feel pretty good today. Martha, Lazarus' sister, says, if you had been here. Now, I know I'm, I know I'm striking a nerve right now with, with a few of you that, that just, you think like Martha, Lord, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad that you have come. But I'm, if I'm honest with you, this is not how I expected you to show up. That's the undertone that you get from this passage of Scripture, this interaction, if you will. If Martha were honest, if she said everything, she's thinking, but Lord, if you had been here. Hear the words? If you had only been here, my brother would not have died. We have in our minds how we think God should operate, don't we? Y'all still being honest with me, right? Because every single one of us have predisposed expectations on how we think God should operate. What we think God should be busy doing. How he should do what he does. And we all understand we have some clue of what the word sovereign means. And yet we have our nose all up in God's face. But Lord, had you only been here, I would not have to have gone through this pain. Don't you know, Lord, I've been suffering for four days. This is my brother. I thought you loved him more than this. We sent word to you, Jesus, 
How many am I talking to right now? You've been praying. You've been asking the Lord. You've been in a situation. You've been in a spot where it didn't fit your preconceived idea of what this should look like right now. Y'all know I'm talking from experience, right? I'm not just up here shouting at you because you've gone through this. I've gone through this. I've been laid up in a bed. Now, how many people have ever spent nine days in a hospital consecutively? Nine days. It's almost unheard of today. I mean, they throw you out. You just had your back operated on. They put two new discs in, and they have you out of the hospital in a day and a half. Getting you up, walking around. Don't you know what you just did to me in my back? In, in nine days in the hospital with a bacterial infection. They have no idea. It took them that many days to figure out what in the world was going on in me. So I don't, that's not in my plan, Lord. Only to discover I had a leaking heart valve that required open heart surgery. Isn't that a great 58-year-old story? I've been following the Lord since I was a kid. That ain't in my plan. I didn't spend all those hours on a bicycle so I could wind up in the hospital having open heart surgery. I'm trying to avoid those things. So I know what I'm talking about here. Martha says, if you'd only been here. Let's do a little background work here. Mary made the wrong choice this time. Y'all remember when I told you to give heed to that one word? Mary stayed home. Mary did not come out to meet Jesus. Right? You with me? Martha, Mary. Martha went out to meet Jesus. Mary stayed home. Years earlier, Jesus was traveling through the village they lived in. That is Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. And Martha invites Jesus to their home and immediately begins to prepare food. Y'all know how this goes. Some of you ladies, you know, you're into it. You know what it is to prepare a meal. Isn't it weird? You can, you can spend three hours preparing a meal that your family will devour within 15 minutes. You're like, over there. slow down, enjoy that. I demand that you enjoy that. And here's Martha. She's scurrying around the house. Oh, I've invited you. Oh, Jesus is coming to our house. And Mary has the nerve to go out there and sit at Jesus' feet. And Martha's, anybody ever had enough? Yeah, y'all still being honest with me, right? So Martha's like, I've had enough of this. That woman better get up off her. And so she actually comes out and says to Messiah. Right? Y'all heard that. She confessed. I've always believed. You are Messiah, like she needs to tell Messiah. 
you see my sisters down don't you know we got work to do jesus or i know none of y'all ever did that with your siblings never <laughs> this ain't fair this is not fair that's today's modern version of anyway she tells jesus and y'all remember what jesus said to her said to martha jesus looked at martha and said what mary has chosen today will not be taken from her this is that mary jesus said that to this mary who's comfortably sitting at jesus's feet soaking in all of the beauty everything i want to sit at your feet drink from the cup in your hand That's what Mary is doing in the previous case. But this had happened possibly a year or two before what we are now reading in the story today. And this time Mary didn't even come out to see Jesus. And I wonder if Mary's relationship with Jesus was more emotional and less devotional. Yeah, you could write that down. It's not going to get more comfortable. Right now, as a matter of fact, it's about to get a little uncomfortable for you. I'm just giving you a heads up. More emotional and less devotional. Mary sounds like a lot of us Pentecostal believers. We want to sit at Jesus' feet but don't want to dive into his word or dig into the golden truths to stake our lives on. We're enjoying that. We, we want to chase revival services all over instead of putting our roots down in a church and actually doing something for the Lord right where we are making a solid impact on lives. We'd rather... Chase those worship services because it's, it's fun to worship Jesus. Lift our hands. Everybody's cheering Jesus all together. I'm on the Jesus team. Hallelujah. We're at a spiritual pep rally. That's easy. That's the easy part. Maybe, maybe, Mary's, maybe Mary's like that because she's in the house now. Ain't no sitting at Jesus' feet now. She's angry with Jesus. Jesus didn't fit her expectations. She's allowed her emotions to dictate how she's feeling right now. I'm staying in the house. I don't even want to see Jesus right now. Because he didn't do what I wanted him to do. He didn't operate how I wanted him to operate. I know we're supposed to all be shouting and cheering. It's Palm Sunday, but... That's what we do in church. I don't want to be like those people on Palm Sunday because that's exactly what they did. They stood out there cheering Jesus as he's coming on this donkey, throwing their coats, throwing limbs and, and leaves and, and palm branches in front of him, shouting, blessed is he. We're doing all that. And a week later, they're shouting, crucify him, crucify him. 
We need the real foundation of these biblical truths to build our spiritual lives on. But what we don't want, we don't want to go through life and its struggles in order to develop strong faith. We'd rather have Jesus just drop a miracle on us, then we'll believe. Ouch, you can say it. That doesn't feel good, and I understand that. I have to, on occasion, preach just truth to you, and sometimes the truth hurts, and this kind of truth hurts because so many believers, so many followers of Jesus are just like the people shouting on Palm Sunday almost 2,000 years ago now. Just like that. We love Jesus when he looks good, when he's doing what we want him to do, when the crowd is following Jesus. Woohoo! I want to go down that path, but I don't want to be on an operating table. I don't want to be where I'm having to work. I don't want to be out on a plaza when it's 45 degrees and spitting rain. We all love the altar, and my, my goodness, the skies opened up. It was sunny. It warmed up, even evaporated all of my wet gear that was on me. I had to actually pull off some of my clothes, just the upper part, you know. Went the... <laughs> Trying to keep it PG up in here. And, and we... We, we, love, we love those altar moments and the cheering and the, the, the worship time, but when God's digging down, when the Holy Ghost is digging down into our, our life, and, and, and he's actually expecting you to take him at his word. When it gets uncomfortable and, and you're like, I don't like being in this spot, Jesus. So it seems like Martha developed solid faith and understanding. Martha surprises me at this juncture, this place. Martha's the one that surprises me. Because she makes a statement that unfolds her faith awareness. You remember what she said? She, I, I have it for you. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. This is Martha. Remember? She's the one that was in the kitchen busy. While Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet, Martha apparently has something that Mary doesn't. Or at least is not allowing her emotions to control her faith. Uh-oh. Did that hit anybody's nerve? That's why I'm saying what I've been saying. Uh, Jesus is about to take her and them a little bit deeper, but I, I don't want to leave the point. Martha catches something that Mary has apparently at this point missed. And I don't want you to miss based on your emotional relationship with Christ. Listen, church, you realize I, I'm an emotional person. I don't hide behind that like it's some sort of disguise. I recognize that I am an emotional being. 
And I know that on the scale of emotion, because there are some of you, you're moved by nothing, essentially. You're just, you're all, you're, yeah, like a stone. And, you know, 90 people came to Jesus. Let me do this so the people that are on watching us online. 90 people come to Jesus yesterday. <laughs> I'm sitting down here going, "Woo! Thank you Jesus." That's what I'm in this for. I'll endure the rain and the difficulty. I walked, I had to leave the place and, went, and, and I had to go back with Pastor Amy. She was parked in the Walnut Street garage. Do y'all know that it's uphill all the way back to the Walnut Street garage? I'm walking along there and Amy's walking ahead of me. She's like, you okay? Yeah, I'll get there. Because y'all don't know, because I, I don't typically talk about it, but my left knee, it ain't right. My left knee's just not right. I can ride a bicycle, I can do elliptical, but don't ask me to do a lot of walking, a lot of, there ain't no jogging. Jogging is not a thing. So, this is, our emotional relationship with God is what's at stake here. And I think Martha may have developed something that Mary's missing right now. And I want y'all to recognize this. I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Her brother's been dead four days. I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Can I go a little deeper with you guys? Let's go deeper. Jesus answers Martha. Your brother will rise again. Now, I have to clarify here because Martha gives Jesus the kind of answer or response that we all give when someone asks us if Jesus heals. We all say, yes, Jesus heals. Glory. We can all say it, right? She says, of course, he will rise again on the last day. Martha responds to Jesus with what she believes is common knowledge. Yes, of course, Jesus, he will rise on the last day. Jesus is then asked Martha, actually, he asks Martha and all the observers there then and all of us to think big picture. That's what happens now. And that's what is at the heart of this whole message this morning. God is frequently asking you to think big picture. In order to do, write this down, in order to do anything great in the kingdom of God, we have to stop thinking small, immediate, and limited. Again, I've, I've already commended Pastor Mackay and, and, and Vanessa, but they were thinking after last year's outreach, 
Easter outreach, I'm not kidding you, this is what came out of her mouth. We should have a helicopter drop eggs from the sky. Now, see, all of, you're laughing at that thinking, that is outlandish. You're right. But why limit what God could do? And it's that kind of thinking that lands us in downtown Bethlehem. Because when the idea crops up and, and Pastor McKay says, what do you think? I say, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's find out. Let's, let's get the information. Let's knock on the door. Let's see what we can do. And look what happened. Over 600 people hear the gospel clearly yesterday. Those that stayed till the end, not everybody stayed till the end. We know that because I had to call out seven different numbers before we finally gave away the last big prize. So I know some people left, but, but that many people heard the gospel downtown Bethlehem. Not, not here in the church pews, in downtown Bethlehem. There are some old town. Zinzendorf himself is probably shouting right now from the grave. William Penn. William Penn stood in this area. He believed in Jesus Christ as our only hope of salvation. This, this state is named after that man. William Penn. He believed in Jesus. But I guarantee you, those hundred years of Moravians praying right there, right there where we were, those hundred years, those Moravians were believing God to have a move of God right here in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. They're shouting from the grave, go central, go central, preach the word. I'll bet you old William Penn himself was shouting amen to Evangelist Nick when he was saying, Jesus is your hope. God let him glimpse, glimpse down there. He was saying, y'all do it, y'all do it. Tell them about Jesus. That's how we founded this state. So Martha responds to Jesus with what she believes is common knowledge. Jesus is asking Martha, the observers there, and all of us to think big picture. The staff and I are reading devotionally Andrew Womack's book, The Believer's Authority, and we are being challenged in our thinking. I, let me explain that to you. We've been, we, we're having to unlearn years of wrong teaching in the church when it comes to our authority and, and, and the work of God, our faith how it works. We're having to unlearn some stuff because it's we're plagued like you with religion. And beginning to take God as his word. Because listen to me when I tell you this, folks. This should be abundantly, it will be abundantly clear to you by the time I'm done. But, but Martha didn't get it. Martha does not, she's still not getting it. Because why otherwise does Jesus say to her, 
after this statement, oh, I believe. I know he'll rise again in the last day. And Jesus looks at her and says, I am the resurrection. What? Hold up, Jesus. You know, because you've read it in his word, I am the way, the truth, the life. Jesus said it, but he's also the resurrection. In his very essence, Jesus is the resurrection. And so here's Martha quoting scripture for Jesus. Oh, I know, in the last day, he'll rise. I know that, Jesus, and I know you're the Messiah. I knew, I knew from the beginning, you're the Messiah. And yet Jesus has to look at Martha Martha now and say, I am. Sounds like Moses with God. What do I, who do I tell him sent me? Who do I go to the Pharaoh and say, who sent you here? I am, hath sent me. He didn't speak King James. <laughs> but you hear the words, I am. And what did Jesus say to Martha? I am. The resurrection. Can I just can I just wrap it up here in this moment? I'm not done yet, but but hear the words. It's coming at your conclusion, at a conclusion very near you in a few moments. Jesus is everything you need now and forevermore. Everything. I am as sent me, Pharaoh. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, I am the resurrection. So Martha, she's, she's staring at him, she hears him say it, but she still doesn't get it. Martha's thinking of an event, Martha's thinking of a time, but Jesus is standing before her once again, and she misses the point, like the mom in my opening illustration. She misses the point, right? Martha's going off on this explanation and Jesus is standing right in front of her. But Martha, I am the resurrection. I'm right here. The resurrection is right here in front of you. That's what all of you need to hear. That have ever been challenged as to whether I can make it through, whether I can get past this moment, whether this struggle is big enough to take me down, whether this situation is the situation that will take me under, I am is there. I can bring life to dead places. (laughs) It can already stink. And I can turn it around, Jesus is saying. So Jesus crashes their sad party. (laughs) Sends Martha, go in the house, get Mary. Mary will get it. So Mary comes out, 
She says the same thing to Jesus. We didn't read all of this. It's there in the story. You have to trust me on it. Go back and read it the next time or later this afternoon. But Mary says the same thing to Jesus. I, I know you're the resurrection. I know you're Messiah. And when she says this to Jesus, you know what the word tells us what Jesus did? Before, y'all all know this, this one scripture. Before Jesus wept, he was angry. Jesus was angry when Mary said the same thing that Martha said to him because he thought maybe Mary, who sat at my feet, are you listening to me now? Like we do in our worship services, we sit at Jesus' face, feet, and we're worshiping the Lord. Oh, God is so good when I think about the Lord. That's all easy. That part is easy because we're all together and you're touched on an emotional level. But if it doesn't leave the place of being in an emotional encounter with the Lord where you actually come to know and understand who he is, not just who he is, but who you are in him. Because when he, who is the resurrection, has an encounter with you, his resurrected being, child, if you will, you were going to a place dead in your trespasses and sin, but he came and he brought resurrection life to your dead sin past. He says, if you say, to that mountain. Be removed. It will do what you say. That's who's in you. So he hears this again from Mar- Mary now, and he gets angry, and he goes to the tomb, and he calls Lazarus out. Y'all know that story, and I'd love to spend some time on that, but, but you're getting the point. That's what I want you to get today. Jesus, he's trying to change your thinking processes. But his disciples, even his disciples couldn't see it. How how could he expect Mary and Martha to get it? He was thinking they might, but they weren't. They didn't get it. Jesus' disciples would not allow him to prepare them for his death. They wouldn't accept it. These disciples wouldn't accept it. They would not believe that he whom they experienced as the Lord of life was going to be killed, executed like a common criminal. He tried. He tried to tell them. Like us, they had a preconceived notion of how they thought Christ should operate. Y'all, any of y'all ever done that? <laughs> This is how you should do this, Lord. Oh, I know you're Messiah. And he'll be raised in the last day. I believe you, Jesus. Jesus got angry. Because she, here, Jesus is standing right in front of her. The resurrection is standing right. It's as plain as the nose on your face, Martha. It's as plain as the nose on your face, Mary. I am the resurrection. And you're crying like you don't understand that. 
What more do I need to say? Jesus tried to help them understand. And after this event, Jesus realizes they still weren't getting it. They weren't getting it. They did, because in chapter 12, he has to come round to, back round to it. And he gives them a parable. This proves to me, it proves to me the grace of God and the patience of the Lord with his disciples. Because I, even though it irritated him, even though it aggravated him, even though he was angry in that moment, he still comes back around and he gives them this parable. Listen to it. John 12, verse 24, says it this way. I tell you the truth. This is just one chapter later. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. They had to know that he wasn't talking about kernels of wheat because he said a plentiful harvest of new lives. Well, I know people get life from wheat, bread, you know. Oh, they knew. They should have had a clue. Jesus was trying to help them understand that his death was necessary if there was to be new life. His death was necessary if there's to be new life. He was trying to help them see that God works through the process of death and resurrection. He wanted them to even see it with Lazarus. Wanted them to understand that this is the way God had chosen to bring new life into the world, that he was going to die but they wouldn't get it. And I'm, I, t- I honestly, they never got it until after his resurrection. Really, they didn't get it until the Holy Spirit came down. Really. Because, I mean, y'all remember what they did. I'm going fishing. Well, all right, Peter will join you there. We never fished really like that commercially, but we'll go with you because what else do we do? See, they didn't, they didn't have it figured out yet. Till suddenly, Jesus is on the shoreline saying, hey, have you caught any fish yet? That boy sounds familiar. I digress. He wanted them to understand that this is the way that God had chosen to bring new life. Jesus wanted them to understand that unless the grain of wheat dies, there can be no harvest. A single grain of wheat only multiplies when it dies. There's a death process first. The grain of wheat dies when it's planted, when it's sown If there's no planting, if there's no sowing, there is no reaping. So what does that mean? No death, no resurrection. That's what it means. If Jesus does not die, then sin cannot be atoned for. We cannot know redemption if there is no atoning death. Our sin would hold us captive unless Jesus, represented by a kernel of wheat now, 
is planted in death. But this is a big one. It is the resurrection that sets us apart and provides our real hope. Because he did not stay in the ground. He did not stay in the place of death. He was resurrected to new life. And because he lives, we live. We have hope. He overcame death. All of the boundaries that had been set by death, the blood of Jesus can cleanse us from our sin, but his resurrection gives us new life. And that says to you, to you, wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, whatever obstacles you've come up against, whatever has prevented you from getting to the place where you can really believe Jesus. Does he have to say it to you like he had to say to Martha? Are you hearing it today in this message? I am the resurrection. Why do you keep looking for something later or a time or a situation? (laughs) When the one. Why do you keep looking elsewhere? Why do you keep chasing this and you keep chasing that? You're going to work hard. You're going to do everything you can in your human power. Why not look to the resurrected son of the living God who is present right now in your life? to do anything you need. There's no obstacle, come on, Pastor Mackay, that can prevent him from being able to pull you out of whatever you're in. No obstacle. What bondages are you in or struggling to get through? What strongholds has the enemy set up to destroy you but the Lord has already overcome, as Matthew, or excuse me, John 16.33 tells us. He understood we would have problems, but he's already done what's necessary. He's already completed the work through the power of the cross and now his resurrection. He's overcome, so you can overcome. Do you hear it? I am the resurrection. So what situation in your life do you need to have an encounter with the resurrection? I am the resurrection. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. What's bringing death to your doorstep? Stand to your feet, please. Now, first things first, I have to ask this question. Who is here right now? And the truth be known, you're not in a right relationship with Christ. If he were to rapture his church out of here, and most of this congregation, if not everyone else, were to go suddenly, are you sure he would take you with you? Is there still some question that you're not exactly where you need to be with Jesus today? If there's a question mark where there needs to be an exclamation point. Maybe maybe you walked with Christ one day. Maybe when you were a child, you asked Christ to come into your heart. You came to an altar, some church, somewhere. 
and ask Jesus to forgive you your sin. But, but since then, you've, you've been all over the place. And it's not the place where Jesus wants you to be. Heads bowed now and eyes closed. Nobody look around for this brief moment, please. Give me your full-on attention and listen to everything I'm saying. If you're here right now and not in a right relationship with Christ, either by once knowing him and walking away or never actually saying, Jesus, I commit my life to you. I want you to be both my Lord and Savior. If that's you and you want to change it today, you want to fix it, you want to be sure, lift your hand right where you are. Anybody? Say, I want to get things right with the Lord today. I want, to, I want to be sure of my hope and salvation. I want to get it together today with Jesus. Lift your hand right where you are. I'm not asking you to join the church. I am asking you to join the kingdom of God and become one of his followers. I'm not seeing any hands. So if you're raising your hand, it's not raised up high enough or not where I can see it. So... I'm going to take that to mean that everybody's good that's here right now in terms of their relationship with Christ. But who'll be honest enough with me to say, Pastor, I admit that I'm just like Martha and Mary. I know that he is in front of me, and I know he has all of the answers, and I know he's all that I need, but I have this obstacle. I've let some stuff get in the way. There's some false belief. There's some religion that's gotten in the way, and I'm not really grasping that right in front of me is the answer. I've got problems, I've got circumstances, and I'm dealing with them on an emotional level. I've not been able to engage my faith on that's you, would you be willing to just get out of your seat and come forward and allow us to pray with you today? We're really going to pray for you today. Every one of you that come forward, you will have hands laid on you. Let God deal with you. Let the Holy Spirit. Listen, as I've said, shared this word today, you know if Holy Spirit's been working in you. You've got something churning inside of you, and you know you've been dealing with things on an emotional level. God wants to change that today. Spark your faith. Get it lit for Jesus. Believing Him, knowing that resurrection life is right in front of you. Don't be like Martha, living with your supposed belief, but missing the point like the mom in my opening illustration. Not recognizing that right there in front, I am the resurrection, Jesus said. You're looking for something to happen down the line. You're you're looking for an event. (laughs) The event's right here in front of your face no obstacle, nothing standing in the way of your answer, except in your own heart and mind. Amen. Evangelists, y'all get right here and start praying over these people. Help them out. 
I'm going to go to this side. I'm going to, I'm going to need more than Stephen. Maybe a couple of our ushers, men that you know I trust. Is the glory forever, amen. And yours is the kingdom, yours is all power, yours is the glory forever, amen. Yours is the kingdom, yours is You just the power, pray in the spirit if you don't know what else to do, pray and ask the Lord to be present for these people. You don't, you have no idea what might be lying below the surface here. Maria, start playing some gentle music so Pastor Mackay can come pray with these ladies on this side. I hope you've enjoyed today's message and that it has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening in. If you have met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you please connect with us either at our website, www.centralfamily.net, or perhaps give us a call at 610-865-0577. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if this has been that kind of a blessing to you, would you consider blessing us with a financial gift to make it possible for us to continue to do what we're doing here and taking the gospel, not only to the Lehigh Valley, but around the world. We want to do our part in reaching the people that God has entrusted to us with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can help us with your financial gift or sowing a seed to this ministry. God bless you. Have an amazing day. Remember, you can reach us and give through www.centralfamily.net.